Welcome to Soccer Morning on Backheel.com. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on Backheel.com. Thank you very much for listening. As always, big program lined up for you today. Things popping off all over the world of soccer here in the U.S., across the pond in Europe where Sepp Blatter faces new challenges. We've got uh, United States playing Chile tonight down in South America. We'll talk about that. Plenty on tap for you. Again, uh, thank you for listening. Make sure you're hitting up our, our iTunes page and giving us a rating and a review. We've got uh, T-shirts for sale at 3NLFC.com, and we uh, have mugs and the like at backheel.com slash store. I, I always do that at the end. I feel like I need to get that off the top here in the morning uh, to, uh, I don't know, while you're the most awake. Are you awake now or are you awake at the end of the show? I'm not really sure. I, I think I'm more awake now than I am at the end of the show. Uh, speaking of being awake now, we've got a couple of very good guests uh, lined up today. Kyle McCarthy, who is down with the U.S. in Chile, will join us in a couple of minutes to preview that match. The United States going into the first match of the new year. Jurgen Klinsmann looking to mix in some new talent in addition to having guys like Michael Bradley, Clint Dempsey, Josie Altador in camp. Will Giassi Zardes get his first cap tonight? What other young players might make their mark? It's uh, going to be a fascinating day uh, for the United States as they get their 2015 underway at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Sam Kelly will join us uh, from down in Argentina. We're going to review the career of Juan, 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 Juan Roman Riquelme, a legend of Argentinian football, a guy who uh, both disappointed and thrilled throughout his uh, amazing 18, 17, 18-year career. We'll talk to Sam about his legacy, what he means to Boca Juniors, and uh, and really look back and see, you know, what kind of mark Raquel May made on the game. Probably not the household name, certainly in, in the United States, that a guy like Lionel Messi is, but Raquel May was uh, one of Argentini- Argentina's best for a very long time and certainly deserves a retrospective. Let's do the headlines here. First thing on a Wednesday, I'm going to start in MLS. The New York Red Bulls have acquired Felipe Martins in a top allocation spot for Mo- from Montreal for Eric Alexander. And Ambrose Oyango, the young uh, fullback, uh, in, the, in addition to this move, and the, the reason for getting the top allocation spot is so that the Red Bulls can sign Sasha Kleschen from Anderlecht. That is the report. Nothing has been confirmed yet, but Ivis Gullersep has reported that, it, that that is done. Jesse Marsh has been out front saying they would not have made this trade if they were not ready to sign Sasha Kleschen. You have to take that into consideration when you look at the balance of this trade. It, it seems like a lot. For Montreal, it seems like New York is giving up a lot, but if you're getting Sasha Kleschen to plug into that midfield alongside Dax McCarty in place of Eric Alexander. Remember, Eric Alexander sort of won that job as uh, the midfield partner for Dax McCarty over the last year or so. One of the reasons Tim Cahill did not feature for the Red Bulls down the stretch, and plenty of rumors swirling around that Tim Cahill may be moving on, although in the meantime... He and Australia will be going into the Asian Cup final against South Korea. Australia beat the UAE 2-0 uh, to reach the final of that tournament. So uh, you have two powers. Japan f- crashed out, but you have two of the uh, more powerful countries in Asia facing off for the title there. In the Capital One Cup yesterday, Chelsea beat Liverpool one nothing to move on. Uh, this is after they were dumped out of the FA Cup over the weekend. Uh, you know, Jose Mourinho continues to be Jose Mourinho. It's starting to get beyond tiring his campaign against 
uh, everyone who is <laughs> against against Chelsea, against Mourinho, against uh, his club in their attempt to win multiple trophies in uh, 2015. Uh, so a big win for the Blues over Liverpool. In the Africa Cup of Nations, their quarterfinals are nearly set. You have two spots left open as Group D plays their final group match today with everybody in Group D on the same number of points, too. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Congo and uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo will play each other in the quarterfinals. Algeria awaits the Group D winner. Ghana awaits the Group D runner-up. And Tunisia and Equatorial Guinea will face off in the quarterfinals as that uh, tournament moves on to the knockout stages. Again, Group D all tied up. Cameroon versus the Ivory Coast and Guinea versus Mali today to determine who will come out on top, who will finish second and qualify for the uh, quarterfinals in Africa. Uh, best wishes out to former U.S. men's national team and Kansas City Wizards head coach Bob Gansler, 73-year-old uh, co- former coach, uh, suffered a stroke yesterday that's being wi- widely reported up in Wisconsin where Gansler lives. He coached the United States in the World Cup in 1990. Remember, that was the World Cup the United States uh, made after 40 years of absence from the top international tournament. Bunch of college kids went to Italy, got their butts handed to them, but it was still a major accomplishment for Gansler to take that team over to Italy for Italia 90. And and that was ahead of schedule. I mean, the United States was certainly targeting making a World Cup, but there was real focus on making the team uh, good enough to be competitive in 94 when they didn't have to qualify Gansler got them in there in 90 again. Uh, we all remember the shot heard around the world um, with uh, the goal down in, in, in Porto, uh, Porto, Spain against Trinidad and Tobago that got the United States uh, into the World Cup in 1990. Uh, the list of FIFA presidential candidates continues to grow. Some news today set bladder facing challenges already from David Ginola, the former French winger who is being backed by a gambling concern. And now Luis Figo has entered the fray as well. The former Portuguese playing great uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid playmaker is stepping in. He says, I look at the reputation of FIFA right now and I don't like it. Football deserves better. Football has given me so much during my life and I want to give something back to the game. Now the problem for Figo is the same problem that Ginola faces. Both of them being backed by gambling concerns and questions over whether or not this will fly under FIFA regulations. There, there is there is wording within the FIFA regulations that say a candidate cannot be taking money from uh, from gambling interests. I don't have the exact wording here, but it is something um, to watch for because this may eliminate Figo and Ginola from the race before they even really get going. Also in this race is Michael Van Prague, the uh, Dutch FA president, uh, a guy with a much better chance, I suppose, of, of representing a real challenge. We already have... Uh, a couple of other names in the uh, in the mix, including Jerome Champagne, who you know about and seems to be a bladder guy. Whether or not he actually steals any votes from bladder remains to be seen. And Prince Ali bin Al Hussein, who is probably a, the among the experts, I think would would say is the the biggest challenge to bladder. Now the problem is, oh, and I'll throw this in as well. Saw this from Paul Kelso at Sky Sports today. It looks like. Jeffrey Webb is considering a run as well. The CONCACAF president will see. Jeffrey Webb represents uh, certainly a reform element within the FIFA hierarchy. 
Could he make a real challenge to Blatter? I don't know about that either. The issue here is that Seb Blatter has a solid, loyal base, and you have voting blocks that are all behind him. Now, if there if there is a one legitimate challenger who can grab votes from Blatter and perhaps turn the, the tables on him, maybe you could have Blatter uh, be ousted. But this, to me, looks like these these guys that are going to get through under FIFA regulations are more than likely than not going to split the vote. Blatter will get his base consolidated, and he'll end up winning again. And remember, uh, when the when FIFA met ahead of the 2014 World Cup, there were attempts to institute term limits and age limits, and they were all defeated resoundingly by Seb Blatter's base. There's no chance, very little chance. All right. Let's get ready to talk Chile, USA. That game is tonight, 6 Eastern on Fox Sports 1. We're going to talk to our friend Kyle McCarthy from Fox Sports. He's down there in Chile with the team. He'll give us a preview. It's soccer morning on Backheel.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on Backheel.com with Jason Davis. All right, here we go, talking about the United States men's national team first game of the new year against Chile down in Chile with Kyle McCarthy from Fox Sports, who's on the line joining us from down there. Hi, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. How's the weather in Chile? Because uh, your hometown got just slammed with a blizzard. You missed it. Yeah, I'm really sad about that, actually, <laughs> uh, because it's it's been probably mid-80s and sunny uh, since I got here on Sunday. Oh, poor you. Now, the United States opens up their uh, 2015 campaign. This is uh, an interesting look for a January camp. Uh, Kyle, I was just thinking about this. In fact, I just wrote a piece on it. It's not... It's not even not transformative, but you do have guys like Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore uh, and Clint Dempsey in this team because they're all playing in MLS and they're all available. Uh, typically in the past, this was a very experimental team, and there's still elements of that. But when you look at the roster and what Klinsman may throw out there tonight, how much is it going to be experimental and how much is it going to be let's get the guys we need to work work? Well, it's a, it's a little bit of both, isn't it? Uh, there's a foundation here, obviously, when you call in that many regulars. You, you establish a certain amount of principles, but you have the latitude to, to tinker within that, and I think you'll see that uh, in terms of the team that Klinsman puts on the field and in terms of the shape that that team takes. And what, what kind of shape is that? are we expecting? I mean, there's been a little bit of chatter about trying out a three-man back line. Is that something we might see tonight? I think it's a possibility, for sure. You, you, you can't really tell until Klinsman names his side, but it's, it's certainly something that has, has been discussed and, and something that has been worked on over the past couple of weeks. Jermaine Jones uh, mentioned it to the media last week, and, and there have been signs of that down here as well. So it's an interesting option for Klinsman and this team moving forward, and, and this sort of game is, is the perfect opportunity to experiment with it. If if he does do that, I mean, you would expect to see experienced guys back there. I mean, obviously, Jermaine Jones is the is the name that we would expect to see, sort of in the middle, uh, maybe pushing forward. But you need those those two center backs on the and you know nominally on the outside to pinch in. Who are those guys going to be? Matt Beasler? Who else? Well, Matt Beasler is definitely uh, uh, an option there. Uh, he he's. 
fairly well suited to a, a three-man back line because he, he reads the play so well and, and he distributes the ball effectively. Uh, it, it's the other spot that's a, a little bit tricky because uh, there's, there's not a lot of experience past those two guys. You, you've got Steve Birnbaum in camp. You've got Perry Kitchen in camp. You've got Matt Hedges in camp. And, and those, are, those are guys who could also uh, come into the reckoning if Klinsman opts to go with three at the back. Yeah, it, it should be interesting back there at the very least. Uh, you, you know, with this move of Jermaine Jones out of the midfield, now you expect obviously Michael Bradley to be uh, to be the main guy. Look, Mixed Discrude's in this team, Lee wins in this team. You got young guys like like Luis Gill and experimental guys like Miguel Ibarra. What's the the makeup of the midfield? Will Trap is in here as well. What's the makeup of the midfield going to look like? And how does that uh, you know again? We talked about Bradley and Jones a lot during the World Cup. Well, that's no longer necessarily an issue if Jones is a defender, but you still have to figure out the balance. Yeah, the balance is key, and the real question is where Bradley fits into that reckoning. If you're playing uh, with three at the back, you, you might want to have Michael Bradley sitting a little bit deeper because he, he's got the recognition to drop deep when, when necessary to make that three into a four and, and to come back and collect the ball and, and push forward and, and sometimes even interchange with Jones. So uh, it, it's an option to see him further uh, it, back in midfield. You, you've got Discarude in there who has proven himself versatile uh, during the friendlies in, in uh, in the fall, and, and there are several other options, the guys that you mentioned as well. And it's a, it's an interesting look because there's so much you can do with it. And uh, if you you look at the guys in that midfield setup, uh, there are a lot of different ways you can you can put the pieces together. Hey, we spent a lot of 2014 talking about how reliant Jurgen Klinsmann was. On his defensive midfielders, obviously Jones and Bradley being chief among those, but there were a lot of guys who seemed to fit in that mold. Kyle Beckerman was obviously a key in the World Cup. There's no Beckerman here. There's Bradley, who you know a lot of us think as, as a, of as a defensive midfielder, who Klinsman has sort of pigeonholed uh, into a different uh, spot on the field. Where's the you know is is this a, a change in attitude? Is this just a matter of the being January and and we need to experiment? Is this representative of anything that Klinsman's thinking moving forward, or or is there just not that guy available right now? Uh, well, Beckerman Beckerman was a, a possibility for this camp, obviously, and he would have been called in, but he he asked to to tend to matters uh, at Real Salt Lake, and, and that creates uh, an opening for someone else. Uh, Will Trapp plays a, a deep role in midfield, he but he he approaches it a little bit differently. He's a He's a passer first and foremost. He covers his ground carefully. Doesn't have quite as much bite as a guy like Beckerman. So that's an option if if Clemson wants to go with a pure six. Uh, but I, again, it, it goes down to Michael Bradley and where you put him in central midfield. Um, Bradley is is the centerpiece uh, of those options in, in the middle of the park. You have to put him in first and then sort of figure things out around him. Yeah, it, it, look, it's his friendly. Uh, Clemson will have six substitutions. We know he. Typically doesn't do anything until about the 60th minute, so you're looking at a chance for some guys to get half an hour or so. But it, it, there's some either or elements to this. I mean, you can't expect Mix Discarude and Lee Wynn to be on the field at the same time. I would imagine. Well, again, whether or not Bradley is pushed forward may dictate who's on the field. Uh, whether it's Discarude, Wynn, Abara, if he gets some time, Luis Gill, where does he fit in? Uh, if you're not playing with any traditional wingers, although you have Breck Shea in the mix, I mean, again, there's so many questions here. How do we even begin to, to imagine what the lineup will be? Well, that, and that's the, that's the tricky part, isn't it? I, if you, if you go with three at the back, there, there are some, 
some things that are more likely than not. You're more than likely going to see Breck Shea uh, on the left right. because he he's your he's he's your your best option there. Uh, though Dylan Cerna can certainly play in that that spot as well. Uh, you're going to see Jermaine Jones in the center of that back three. Uh, you're going to see Matt Beasler be a part of that back three, and you're going to have Michael Bradley and Mitch Discarude in midfield, and and Josie Altador up top. It, it, the the real question is how you you sort of finesse uh, some of those other positions because it really has a significant impact on how you uh, approach the game with a with a three man back line because you can you can be very defensive with it. Uh, like Costa Rica did during the World Cup, or you, or you can take a more proactive approach, and, and we all know how much uh, Jurgen Klinsmann likes his proactive approaches. Any chance that we see DeAndre Yedlin pushed into midfield? He was certainly used there during the World Cup, and uh, look, he's he's on, he's back with the national team despite his recent move to to Spurs. We know he's probably going to play fullback for them. He's been a fullback at, at the club level his entire career, but but midfield seems to be his national team future. Perhaps because of some of the guys that are already back in that back line. It's certainly a possibility. The question for Yedlin entering this game is fitness. Uh, I talked to him yesterday about his situation at Spurs, and he noted that he's been working hard on the training field, and he's coming here for, for match practice. The question is, uh, is he ready for 90 minutes? And, and that's that's a little bit uncertain at this point. And he's another guy who could benefit if Klinsman offs for wing backs because you mentioned him shifting between fullback and, and midfield. Uh, that that wing back position would would be an intriguing use of the the qualities that he brings to the game. Absolutely, it's, I mean it seems like a fit for him, but what remains to be seen whether the entire team can work in that system to make him effective there. Uh, you talked about Josie Outdoor certainly being up top. Uh, we know what Clint Dempsey can do. I mean whether or not he has a full cycle left in him. Sort of remains to be seen. He's certainly a fixture right now. But you have Wondolowski, who I don't think most fans are, are high on, but still gets Klinsman's nod because of his work ethic and his positioning. Bobby Wood is a young player who seems to be in limbo at 1860 Munich. Maybe this is a showcase for him. And then Giassi Zardis, perhaps getting his first cap tonight. What do you make of the forward pool? Well, I think Wando is your, is your first option there. I think Klinsman has been fairly clear with that. Um, because that he's continued to call him in. He's continued to give him quality minutes. And I think when you're looking at Wooden's artists, it's a, it's a matter of trying to push your way into the ranks. Wood has had some, some opportunities. Maybe he hasn't taken the most of them, but, but Klinsman has, has gone out of his way to praise him. And Zardis is an intriguing prospect, a, a guy who still needs a bit of work, but who made some strides last year in terms of how he approaches the game, the timing of his runs, and the sort of intelligent threat that he poses uh, when he's darting behind the back line. So I think in this sort of game, you're more likely to see Klinsman turn to Wondolowski first uh, and then sort of work onwards from there. You know, there's been a sentiment out there that perhaps uh, Zardis, I mean, how could he not benefit from playing with Robbie Keane, Landon Donovan over the last couple of years as he sort of come on? As a, as a forward in MLS. And, you know, it's, he, he seemed to have created an understanding with those guys. They play one and two touch passing at the top of the box. I'm not sure that the United States is built to do that as well. And then you, you so you wonder whether or not Zardis is going to be as effective in this setup. And as I, as you said, he's not the finished product. In fact, Michael Bradley with some quotes that, you know, he's got a lot of talent. He, he, what you see in MLS is not a fluke. Is this, is there a sense, is there any chance at all that, that Zardis is, 
a club creation that may not translate? It, it's something we'll sort of have to wait and see. I, I think he's he's done really well uh, over the past 12 to 18 months to, to sort of take on board what what Donovan and Keene have sort of urged him to do. You, you can tell the strides he's made uh, in terms of the way he approaches the game and, and the way that he tries to unlock defenses. It's uh, a bit more nuanced. It's a bit more polished. Uh, and there's still room for growth there. So at, at this stage of his development, it, it makes perfect sense to bring him in and, and give him a chance uh, in this situation. Whether that translates into game action tonight uh, is another story, but uh, certainly uh, a meaningful experience for him as he tries to build into 2015. So what, you know, these friendlies are an opportunity, again, it's the first friendly of the year, uh, it's January camp that typically means, you know, young guys, inexperienced guys, guys on the fringe, and Klinsman can do a lot of different things. We've been talking about a three-five-two, which would boggle a lot of people's minds. Is that... Is there any sense that he's going to do anything, you know, in response to what Chile might do, or is this entirely about what the United States are they going to try to dictate something to Chile? Well, you have to be mindful of how Chile plays. Certainly, uh, they're going to push high up the field. Uh, they're going to attack, and they're not going to let up for ninety minutes. It, it doesn't matter that this is a, a domestic-based Chile side without its top stars. They're, they're pretty well established in terms of how they approach the game. So you have to take that on board uh, when you're trying to, to get into the game, and, and you have to, to find ways to, to settle the match down at points. It means building carefully out of the back. It means using the wide area as well. It, it means taking special care to avoid. Uh, getting stretched uh, for a, for a potential counter, all those things go into it. And, and Klinsman said yesterday uh, that they do study uh, guys uh, heading into these friendlies. He noted the the concentration of players from Universidad de Chile, Universidad Católica, and Colo Colo, and, and he said that you know they they know those individual qualities and they'll respond accordingly. But at the same time, if you're the Americans, you want to focus on what you need to do and how you can get better uh, going towards uh, the Gold Cup later this year. There is, uh, there's a legacy here from, from Marcelo Bielsa, and, and that's, I think, you know, if you're not aware of what Chile brings to the table, I think all you need to say is Bielsa to give people a sense of what they're going to do, uh, Kyle. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a unique setup, certainly. It's been described alternatively as a... Three, three, one, three, or a three, four, three. The numbers aren't as important as the philosophy. Uh, they're going to press high up the field, set a high line, and really try to win the ball in good areas. Uh, and, and when they do that, they they attack quickly and directly. Uh, they have a tendency to play narrowly and then work toward the outside. And they rely on their wingbacks to to get forward and, and supply that width. It's a little bit different in this game because they don't have. Uh, some of their established uh, figures to to make everything purr as normal, uh, but those those principles remain the same regardless of the personnel. All right, here here comes the million dollar question when it comes to these friendlies. What is success for the United States tonight, uh, Kyle? Is it a matter of of winning the game to build some confidence, especially with the Gold Cup coming up in the summer, or is it a matter of a couple of guys showing well that can be then integrated into the full squad? Is it a matter of the established guys like Bradley and Altidore and Dempsey playing well and Jones? I mean, what is what is success? For me, 
success is gathering meaningful information and showing an ability to apply what has been espoused over the past couple of weeks. You can talk about the result. It doesn't really matter, though you don't want to get your doors blown off, certainly. Uh, you can talk about you know, individual performances, and they matter as well. But really, the importance of a game like this is to see how players respond in a, in a novel situation and use the, the sort of information they've gathered over the past couple of weeks in, in, a, in a match situation. If, if they're able to do that successfully uh, for stretches tonight and, and uh, figure out a way to perhaps get a result, then it'll be a successful journey. I won't ask you for a, for a prediction because it's a friendly, it's a, in South America, it's an experimental team. But if you, uh, if you have a couple of guys that you're particularly watching tonight, I mean, assuming that they play, who, who is your eye on for the U.S. and who do you think has a potential to make 2015 a breakout campaign? I think Jermaine Jones is obviously the guy you have to watch carefully because if he's going to continue to play in central defense, then, then he's automatically going to be a guy who who you need to monitor. Uh, that's a that's an experiment worth watching. I'll, I'll be interested to see how Breck Shea fares. Uh, if he plays, uh, he, he's made an intelligent move to come back to, to MLS and, and play with Orlando City. He's had a couple of uh, good, solid weeks of training behind him with the national team. I'd like to see if he can uh, start to show some flashes of, of his potential uh, in a situation like this. And uh, I'm always interested in, in these younger guys who are coming up. I think Steve Birnbaum is one to watch, uh, a guy who had a, a good season with D.C. United and uh, who uh, has some of the tools that, that could translate to the international level. So uh, a lot to monitor heading into this game because uh, there's a, a, a lot of intriguing components that go into it. Uh, last thing I, I, I want to ask you before I let you go, Kyle. This is sort of off the the, the uh, off the topic of this game in particular. Jermaine Jones late last night tweeted something, uh, crowdsourcing ideas of where he should play or something. Did you see this? What do you make of this in terms of the the Rev situation? I, I did see it, and it sort of builds off something he said last week. He was noting that his contract ends at the end of the year, and and I think he's he's keeping his options open and I think it's it's a way of, of discussing his future and and trying to, to firm things up I, I think <laughs> Jones is a little bit of a, uh, a twinkle in his eye yes. when he does some yeah. of that stuff and uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to, to see how that plays out over yes. the rest of the year yeah he's a social media superstar knows how to engage the fan base Kyle McCarthy from Fox Sports down in Chile ahead of the United States uh, friendly with uh, Chile at 6 p.m. Eastern tonight on Fox Sports 1. Kyle, appreciate your time and your insight. Enjoy your trip, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks for having me. There we go. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll go back down to South America, but Argentina this time, and talk to Sam Kelly about the career of one Juan Roman Riquelme. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning. Backdo.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on Backheel.com with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning. Unfortunately, haven't been able to pin down Sam Kelly quite yet. So we'll put off the discussion of the career of Juan Roman Wakelme for another time. In the meantime, phone lines are open 347 
You have thoughts on tonight's USA friendly against Chile. Again, the first friendly of 2015 for the United States. Jurgen Klinsmann heading into his second cycle as the men's national team head coach. And again, his first full cycle. He did take that job in 2011. So he didn't quite get the full four years uh, in charge of the U.S. before taking them to Brazil. But we've had plenty of time to sort of look and see what Jurgen Klinsmann is trying to do. And now we have potential twist in the plot. As we talked about with Kyle McCarthy, the idea that the United States could turn to a three-man back line, could, go, could try to pull a Mexico, could go to a wing-back system. Then you have Breck Shea and you have DeAndre Ellen. Those are only two players in this group who really make sense in those positions. Again, maybe Dylan Cerna. There's, there's youth here. There's a spine that is experienced that comes from the World Cup. But there's a spine uh, that's what I'm saying. The, the spine, excuse me, of Jermaine Jones, Michael Bradley, J- uh, Josie Outdoor, Clint Dempsey, even Mick Disgrude, who did not play in the World Cup but was on that team. So you have these guys in the middle who are all very experienced in this setup, and then you have all these do- dotting around this other group. Matt Beasler, obviously, in the experienced group as well. Matt Beasler, who broke into the Nash team or got his chance to launch himself into the conversation in the January camp and back in 2013. So there's, there is an opportunity here, but it does seem to me like the, the camp is, is kind of morphing a bit with the return of Josie Altor, with the return of Michael Bradley, the return of Clint Dempsey, the signing of mixed Discrew, Jermaine Jones joining MLS last season. These things add a different element. Previous uh, January camps, you had some some of those veteran guys, but you didn't have the the bulk of the team, the the major core of the team, based in the U.S. or in Canada. You had them based in Europe. They weren't available. They were busy playing in January, or if they were in Germany, they were in training camp for the second half of the season. So this has changed a l- now. Whether or not it sticks, whether or not the trend continues. I don't know yet because you look at the U20s. You'll get some of those U23 players. Some of those guys are in this camp, but there's there's also a, a, a group of U23 and U20 players who are in Europe. The bulk of that U20 team, European-based. Some MLS players mixed, some MLS Academy kids mixed in. Now Matt Miazga is not going to be one of those, by the way. What's that all about? I know we, we, we broached this top, topic yesterday. Why are the Red Bulls selling Matt Miazga? Should be... Should be giving him an opportunity in the first team. Especially if you're going young. If that's what you're selling to your fan base. Is this a, what do you want to see tonight? What is your takeaway from the United States playing Chile? Again, a domestically based Chile team. Chile B. What's, what's your measure of success? Not getting blown out. Dictating some of the play. Having some, some strong performances from guys who, who really need it. Let's say Josie Altador coming off of the Sunderland experience. Let's say Bobby Wood, who needs to get a club situation sorted out if he's not going to be playing at 1860 Munich. Let's say Mix Diskaru, who didn't really get to feature in the, in the World Cup, but made some strides in the post-World Cup friendlies. If they do play a three-man back line, you want to see Jermaine Jones marshal his troops back there. Michael Bradley's positioning, that's going to be Top of mind for a lot of us. 
And then you have, again, you have these younger players who you would like to see mixed in. If you're ranking the guys you want to see play, you're most excited to see play that are not already fixtures. Who's on your list? Steve, Ver- Steve Birnbaum, Perry Kitchen, Will Trapp. Luis Gill is in this team. He's played a couple of times for the U.S. He hasn't really yet established himself. And he's coming off of a season where he saw his playing time drop significantly at Real Salt Lake. I'd like to see him start the new calendar well. To see him get into the flow here. Yep, Miguel Ibarra, the Minnesota United FC player. Is he really going to be a major factor here going into 2015? If he's more than a token, and I'm not saying he is, I'm not inside Jurgen Klinsmann's head, but if he's more than a token, we want to see him play. We want to see him make an impact. I don't know that this is a showcase situation for him, whether or not he's been courted by MLS teams or the, if Minnesota United is just not, not willing to sell him. He's a, he's a big name now for them. He's a seller. He's a marketing tool now. Jossie's artist. Definitely on that list of guys we want to see whether or not he can make an impact. No judgment here. I, I don't know what Jassy's artist is going to bring to the table. I think he's a talented player. But I'm not going to make any assumptions about how he'll fit in the U.S. setup. 513, you're on the air. Hey, it's Mike in Cincinnati. How's What's it going, man? What's going on in Cincinnati, man? Oh, doing all right. Nice weather here. Um, yeah, just kind of following up on what you're you're talking about you know i'm i'm interested in seeing um i'm a sporting kansas city fan but but i'm i'm interested in seeing uh, will trap uh in the defensive midfield play you know i think he's an exciting player um the way things are working out I, you know I'm, I'm interested in that uh i think he's going to get a lot of experience here coming up since he's qual- he's eligible for the olympics in 2016 um there's also kyle beckerman who i think is a good leader who could you know be in that role maybe in 2016 in the Olympics as, a, as an overage player or, mm. or, you know, something happening in the Copa Centenario. Um, and I think that's that's one area of, of strength that, that, that we're going to need if we're going to try and adapt the sport 3-3 and, and be able to get a guy who can who can uh, be that kind of flexibility and that, that kind of ability to pass. So, well, uh, you, yeah. you, you imagine a situation where you have one of those guys and then Michael Bradley is doing what exactly? Uh, Michael Bradley? Yeah, you, you're saying, but you're, you're talking about the U23 team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I'm sorry, did I say Michael, I meant Kyle Beckerman. No, no, uh, you did, you did say, no, no, you said Kyle Beckerman. I'm just asking if you're, yeah. you're, you're talking about, you're talking about the, you did mention the, the Olympic team. Obviously, Michael Bradley probably wouldn't be in that team, especially if you're taking Kyle Beckerman and his overage, so that's not an issue. But if you had a senior, if you have a senior team that's playing a, mm-hmm. a three-man back line, who do you want sitting in front of that back line? You want it to be Kyle Beckerman. Then, then again, where's where's Michael Bradley? We're, we may see something like that tonight. Although I think Michael Bradley's yeah. be, best suited for the deepest role. Uh, that's true. I mean, you know, you've, I, I certainly don't want to you know put put a situation where Michael Bradley isn't on the field. Um, but I I really am interested in seeing how how we can develop that depth and and if we have you know as much creative playmaking in, in the midfield as possible. Um, well, you know, it should be it should be interesting to see. That, I think that's interesting for me uh, to see what Clemson's going to do with the 
uh, the playmaking role. I mean, we, the United States has never played with any traditional type of 10. It's mostly because there hasn't been one of that unique ability to be that guy. Uh, but you do in this team. You have Lee Wynn. You have Mixdiscrude, who maybe has morphed into more of a box-to-box player. You have a guy like Luis Gill, who can do a little bit of everything. You have, uh, I, I suppose that that's your group. Those are the guys. Miguel Ibarra is more of a, a slasher, a winger type of guy. So you're not really going to hand him the keys to the car. So who is, who is Klinsman going to turn to? And will he trust that guy? And will he pair that guy with somebody who can cover for him? Because that's, that's what we're talking about with someone in front of the back line. Is that Michael Bradley supporting Mix Discarude? Is it Michael Bradley supporting Lee Wynn? And do any of those combinations, are they effective? And do they allow the United States to create chances for a striker pair of probably Wondolowski and Altador, if you believe uh, Kyle McCarthy? Yeah. I, I think the biggest challenge is he's trying to build two different teams for 2016. You know, he's got to have a young team, he's got to have an old team, and he's, he's using this opportunity to really try and build for both. And so it, it looks like a bit of a two-headed monster, but, um, you know, these next couple games might might sort things out for us. It might. Appreciate the phone call from the Queen City. Thanks a lot, man. All right, bye. All right, there you go. 347 uh, Again, what are you looking for tonight? against Chile for the United States as they open up their 2015 calendar. Jurgen Klinsmann, it's an interesting point. Creating two teams, attempting to to set his teams up, not only to compete in the Gold Cup this year, but to get ready for qualifying for the Olympics. That's coming up, I believe, at the end of the year. If I'm not mistaken, there was an announcement that may come uh, at the end of this uh, the end of this calendar year rather than the beginning of next calendar year. So you need to make you need to create a situation where you have a solid U23 team. The overage element, I'm not even going to, I think that's a wasted discussion. The last time the United States didn't make the Olympics, the overage element didn't even come into play. Who cares right now? Find a solid U23 team. Create a solid U23 team that can go and qualify. Let's just, let's just get over that hurdle first. Mike on Twitter, Thomas19064. Did you see Indy 11 stadium renderings? Fancy. Hashtag fancy. I did see those. Very pretty. I don't under, I don't know, and, and perhaps somebody can uh, inform me here. I don't know how far along the process is in Indianapolis in getting a stadium built for Indy 11. I, I have for a little while there was sort of following the politics of it. We've talked to Peter Wilton on this show a couple of different times. They obviously did gangbusters at the turnstiles last season in their first campaign. And I know that the goal is to build their own place. But I don't know if uh, there's political will in Indianapolis to get it done. I think that stadium is going to cost something like $85 million. And it looks very nice for $85 million. And speaking of stadium renderings, this bounced around on Twitter yesterday, the day before, I can't remember. The runner-up design for an LAFC stadium. Did I talk about this yesterday? I may be losing my mind. The runner-up design included a pool. There are lots of pictures of people lounging in a pool while the game was happening on the field. I don't, what is, what's, what? Is that something we really need in an MLS stadium? I know it's Los Angeles. I know the goal, the most of the goal in LA is to be seen. And I suppose showing up in a bikini or in, uh, you know, a pair of board shorts to go swim in the pool or hell, if you, if it's your thing, you know, if you have to do a, a speedo, you know, I don't, who am I to judge? I don't really want to see it, but, you know, these people, what, what is, what is that? What is this trend of 
building. I, MLS has avoided this for the most part. I know San Jose is going to have the world's longest outdoor bar or something, and that's gimmicky. But at least you can get a drink, turn around, watch the game. What's up with the gimmicks at these stadiums? The Arizona, their baseball stadium has a hot tub, right? Is that <laughs> is that necessary? Is that adding to your experience? I really want to go to the ball game tonight. Oh, and they got a hot tub. Or no, I don't I don't feel like going to the baseball game. Oh, but but they have a hot tub. I'm gonna go because they, they got a hot tub. I didn't wasn't feeling about I wasn't feeling like going out and watching LAFC play some soccer. But they have a pool. So I'm totally down. Three four seven seven five six six two seven six. We cleared this out. We'll talk about Raquel May a different day. I mean, we can certainly review Raquel May's career, but it'd be nice to have Sam Kelly from down in Argentina to, to kind of review the legacy of Raquel May from that country. It was an amazing player. He was an amazing player who frustrated a lot of people. He was an amazing player who never quite put it all together consistently enough for Argentina. Had some bad moments. He was a player who, towards the end of his career, Certainly, the latter half of his career became a became unwilling to change his role. He's a guy who barely moved. We say that in soccer sometimes that the guy's he completely immobile. He doesn't move. He just stands in the middle of the park and sprays passes. And and if you have the right kind of player, it's not like Pirlo covers a ton of ground. He's mobile. It's not like he's covering a ton, ton of ground. We obviously have a legacy here in MLS with Valderrama being that guy for the fusion teams of the late 90s. That's what Raquel May was. And and he was such a figure at Boca Juniors that it really was impossible for the brass there to push him out until he was ready to go. Every now and then you'd have Raquel May coming, he'd be in the news saying, I don't know if I'm going to sign a new contract, I don't know if I'm going to come back, and then he would end up coming back. And he plays play another year or two with, with Boca Juniors. And again, you wonder if that has held Boca Juniors back on some level. Even though the fan base delighted in watching Raquel May play. As they should. He's a free kick artist. Incredibly skilled. Go if you if you're if you miss the Raquel May era, which again just ended, but if you miss the, the height of Raquel May, what you need to do is go back and watch some YouTube videos. That's what we do as soccer fans. Like, oh, you didn't get to see so-and-so play? Go watch the YouTube videos. If you were an MLS fan, a, a fairly new MLS fan, and you didn't really get to see Terry Henry at his arsenal greatness, that's what you do. You go watch YouTube videos. You go find everything that Terry Henry did in an arsenal shirt. Example after example. This is how we educate ourselves. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You can't watch everything. Simply can't watch everything. And again, we've got plenty of new soccer fans. I just want to make sure nobody feels any shame out there. If you find out about a great player and you sort of missed his career, Luis Figo's in the news because Luis Figo is going to run for FIFA president, whether or not he gets through everything and gets the five uh, necessary nominations. I don't know. But Luis Figo's running for president. He's in the news. Formerly a great player. And for people who missed Figo, there's YouTube. 
Now, some of us have been around long enough to remember Figo playing in the United, playing against the United States, and that may have been your first introduction to Figo. World Player of the Year, Luis Figo, against the U.S. in the 2002 World Cup, in, in probably what ranks among the greatest games the Americans have ever played. A little bit of luck on their side, sure. But an incredibly amazing game when they upset Portugal in the opening game of that 2002 World Cup. All right, 347-756-6276. What's on your mind? It is Wednesday. We do have the United States playing Chile on television this evening. Fox Sports won in their first broadcast of the national team since grabbing that contract for both MLS and the national team. We talked to Alexi Lalas. When was that? Was that Monday? <laughs> Trying to remember when we talked to Alexi. And he indicated that, that uh, they've got some plans for that. Should be a good show. Should be a good opportunity to take stock of the U.S. again as we head into 2015. You, you get that, that fallow period. When the calendar ends, that November friendly comes around and it, and it goes, goes uh, it ends. And then you have the holidays and the New Year starts. And now we're coming up. It's the 29th, 28th day, excuse me, of January. It's in time to process 2014. Want to see some progress here. But Klinsman always throws us a, a curveball. He always throws us something that we weren't prepared for. And again, I don't know for a fact that this three-man back line is going to be trotted out tonight. But if he does, it's a fundamental shift in the way the United States are going to play. We, we spent three years talking about the 4-3-3. That was what Klinsman was pushing, a 4-3-3. Does he have the personnel for it? No, not really. 4-3-3. Then we ended up with a diamond at the World Cup. Okay, sure. Michael Bradley's in the wrong spot, but still, whatever. It's a diamond. It's great. It's interesting. And now he's going to go and do something. And again, I find this fascinating in the, in the, just in the context of what Mexico did under Miguel Herrera. And how this has sort of been a, a trend. There's been talk in the, the recent past about Louis Van Hall playing a 3-5-2. Netherlands did it at the World Cup. Is this the hot new formation? And Jurgen Klinsmann's just now jumping on board? If that's the case, how do you feel about that? Again, it's, it's a matter of, of personnel. I don't care what the numbers are. 4-4-2, four, 3-5-2, four, 4-3-2-1. Four, I don't care. As long as the team is effective with the personnel that they have. If you are, if you are putting out a team to play a style that befits that team, and style and formation don't go necessarily go together, I realize that. But it is fascinating to see what Klinsman might do. Again, with a mix of veterans and uh, new look players, it's going to be a good one. All right. Last call for phone calls, 347-756-6276. We touched a little bit on the national team. We touched on Sepp Blatter. And again, I'm, I'm sorry, he's going to win again. I'm on, I'll put that on the record. Somebody write this down. because. I don't honestly want to say I told you so, especially when it becomes when it comes to something like Seth Blatter winning another uh, another period of FIFA presidency, another term. But I think it's necessary to put this in now when people might get their hopes up. You can't get your hopes up. David Ginola is a 
PR stunt. Figo, if he is being paid by a gambling concern, has the same problems. Maybe Van Prague represents the best of the bunch, but is he going to get enough votes? Can he crack Blatter's loyal base? Same thing goes for the Prince. If Jeffrey Webb jumps in, it's just going to muck it up even more. And I know I'm missing somebody, Jerome Japa- uh, Jerome Champagne, who, uh, for all for all appearances, seems to be more more or less a bladder crony who's going to flush who was intended to flush out some of the candidates who might actually challenge bladder. We're all desperate for Sep to go, but the practical matter is, he's got the votes, and he'll continue to have the votes until he steps down, because he's a master politician. It sucks to say it. The guy's brilliant in the way that he has created a structure that keeps him in power. Just ugly stuff. All right. It's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of the program. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you very much for listening. Please go to iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. I'm not sure where we are on the rankings and the like. Oh, do this other thing. Where do they need to go, Trevor? Podcast Awards. Go to podcastawards.com and nominate us under sports. Soccer morning under sports. Do that right now before you forget. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcastawards.com. 3nailfc.com is where you can buy your exclusive soccer morning t-shirt. Backheel.com slash store is where you can buy your exclusive soccer morning mug. Uh, as well as other t-shirts of a humorous variety, several of which I helped design. I'm not, not going to pat myself on the back. I think Trevor and Jerry Dubois did most of the work. But I'm in there somewhere. I have my I have my Chuck Blazer balling out in CONCACAF t-shirt, and I wear it proudly. Go get one of those for yourself. All right. Thank you very much to Kyle McCarthy for his insights into the USA-Chile match tonight. Enjoy the match. We'll talk about it tomorrow. I'll have plenty of time to do that. Should be a good discussion. All right. We're out of here. Thanks to producer Trevor. Everybody out there. The LAFC pool. That's where I want to be right now. All right. See ya.